I really do feel that the prophets in the Old Testament, John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, St. Stephen, were all about decentralizing God. They were about decentralizing the presence of God. Unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians and churches, and any kind of religion really, is still trying to centralize and locate the divine where they are. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. Welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. I'm Andy Dixon. It's good to have you here. I hope you're doing okay wherever you are in the world. If this is your first time tuning in, no my, you are very welcome. And for all of you who have listened before, thank you for continuing to help this podcast be what it is. I appreciate every listen, like, share or response. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring these awesomely ordinary people on to share their stories uh, with you, that you might be inspired to do good in the world where you are and with what you have. And hopefully together, we can help to bring a bit more heaven down to earth. Today, I have the great pleasure to be chatting to a man whose work I have long admired. His cartoons and writing have made me ask some hard questions of myself and my theology in a way that has grown and shaped me. And that man is David Hayward, also known as Naked Pastor. David draws and writes about things that can be seen as controversial, depending on your views, but he does it in a way that simply invites you into a thought or a discussion, or simply into the idea that questions are actually okay when it comes to faith. Many of you may find you disagree with David on theological matters, uh, but that's okay. This episode is not about trying to make you believe what he does. It's more about hearing David's journey from church pastor to artist, and how his art has then become a catalyst for many others to explore faith, ask questions, and to wrestle with theology that doesn't sit right with them anymore. I've used several of his cartoons to promote episodes in the past, but it's now my pleasure to talk to the man behind the cartoons, all the way from Canada. This is episode 23 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's David Hayward. I'm here with David Hayward. Uh, welcome, David. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. And there'll be some of my listeners will know you or know your work fairly well. Um, others probably won't have heard of you. So, do you want to just give us a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, um, sure. and, and what how would you you describe what you do? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, and hello, everybody out there. Uh, yeah, if you've heard of me, Naked Pastor, uh, you probably know me from my cartoons and um, where I talk a lot about uh, deconstruction, questioning your beliefs, uh, how to grow spiritually, how to recognize spiritual abuse and um, things like that. So my cartoons are, they go everywhere, all, all over the place. And so that's probably how you know me best. Um, and I also, you know, I do my artwork and I do a lot of writing, um, and, uh, you know, I, I engage with people online as much as I can, uh, interact with people. So I used to be a pastor of a local church 
uh, I served the church as a pastor for about 30 years. I'd been ordained, you know, went to seminary, the whole nine yards. Um, I dove in the deep end there and totally uh, did everything. Served the church uh, for that long, about 30 years. And then in 2010, I left the ministry and, um, you know, I'll visit a church now and then, but I'm no longer a member of a church anywhere. But uh, I, that was in 2010. Um, I taught at university for a little while, and then I decided to try to make Naked Pastor a full-time thing. And it worked out where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm selling my books and courses and cartoons and art and things like that. And, uh, you know, facilitating online communities and everything. I'm very busy doing the stuff I do. But mainly, if you haven't heard of me, uh, you might have seen some of my cartoons around. If you have heard of me, it's probably because of my cartoons. But uh, that's where I'm, I'm mostly uh, known from. So I call myself the Naked Pastor because I got that name when I was a pastor. And basically, that just was me wanting to let people see behind the curtain, um, sort of the, the, the real, the raw, uh, the authentic, the transparent, vulnerable, honest life of a pastor, um, yeah. what it was really like. And uh, with not just the victories and, uh, you know, healings and miracles and success stories and growth and everything. I wanted them to see the, the difficulties and the challenges and the conflicts and the financial struggles and the all, all the behind the curtain stuff. So that's why I called myself the naked pastor. And after I left the ministry in 2010, I decided to keep the name because it seems I'm still doing the same kind of thing, but it's just online now. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my story in a nutshell. When you were pastoring, obviously to stay in that long, there must've been something about that, that you enjoyed. What were the bits of it that you actually were drawn to? Um, well, it's, Helping people grow spiritually, being there for them, helping facilitate their growth, uh, enabling and empowering people to to grow spiritually. I think that's my um, my number one passion uh, is you know helping people recognize that they're free to grow uh, and to be spiritual as they see fit. And um, so for me, that's. That's my passion is is for people to feel free and validated and encouraged and empowered to to grow uh, at, at the way they want to grow. Um, now, I know for my, myself, the reason I left the ministry was because I felt like I no longer had space to grow. I felt like I was being watched and monitored and judged and criticized. And there was a lot of suspicion because I was growing in a way that some people were uncomfortable with. And uh, so I, I, in order for me to continue growing, essentially, I, I, I had to leave. And, and I want that same freedom for other people as well. So that's, that's what I really do care about is, is the, your freedom to, to grow uh, and to develop and to be spiritual the way you want yeah to yeah that's fantastic as a former pastor myself i totally understand that and i used to love those moments where you would see an idea or a, an action or something that uh -huh. just connected with someone and you just knew that that was going to make a difference right and, and i see that um happening with with what you're doing now with your cartoons and things that that's that's still happening mm -hmm. so 
really nice that you were able to to transition from wanting to do that in that space to being able to do that in a in a different space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel very fortunate to be able to be doing what I'm doing, and you know, to you know, the, the people out there basically supporting what I do. So it's it means a lot. I, I don't take it for granted. I'm very thankful. One of the the criticisms I've seen of you among the many um, is that yeah. people have this idea that that you used to love the church and now you hate the church because a lot of your cartoons are um, critiquing aspects of church life. Right. Uh, for me, I person I don't see it that way. What's your take on that? Yeah, uh, I I do get that a lot. Um, so when somebody says to me, "You must not love the church because you're criticizing it," that is sending a huge signal to me that people confuse love with not being able to criticize or not not being able to request transformation or change or whatever. So for example, if I were to say to my wife, Lisa, um, if you love me, you'll never criticize me. Essentially what I'm communicating is um, let, let me be who I am. You're not allowed to uh, try to um, have any input into my life. You're not allowed to try to improve our relationship. You're not allowed to try to help me become a better person, a better man, a better husband. Um, you need to mind your own business because if you love me, I am beyond criticism from now on. That's not love. Uh, I know love is blind, but love is also responsible. And um, so when when people say I don't love the church because I criticize it, I, I, I think what they're saying is that you're not allowed to um, ask something of something you think is important yeah. uh, to to change, to make life better for for everybody. And, you know, I, I asked them, what what do you do with with uh, the Old Testament prophets or John the Baptist or, or Jesus or Paul who. Yeah. Or you know the uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, or pretty much and, the entire Bible. Know, yeah, <laughs> the, the entire Bible yeah. is is challenging. It's it's challenging us to change and to and to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, and if I so, you know, I have a lot of people say, "Why do you keep on talking about the church if you laugh? Like, give it, give it up, let it go." It's because I still love it. I care for it. Yeah. The church is my mother, my spiritual mother. Um, I wouldn't be who I am today or where I am today if it wasn't for the church. And I value it very highly. I know what it's capable of and uh, and the potential it has to create real profound space for spiritual growth and also community yeah. and um, connection. <laughs> and... Uh, so I, when I see that being compromised or undermined or taken advantage of or neglected uh, or abused, then I, I feel I need to say something yeah. because uh, I've seen what the church can be and what it can do. And it's powerful, very powerful. And nothing else on the earth can match it. And um, so that's why I, I critique it. Uh, Hopefully, in a way that can be heard. Um, but you know, I know a lot of people um, immediately write me off or uh, disregard what I say just because it's uh, um, it is a critique, and I think it's too bad. 
because um, like I said, I, I think, I think the church has a lot to offer. Yeah. And um, if we could, you know, communicate and work together to, to make that. So I think that would be amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic analogy about talking to your wife. Cause I, if I said that to Bex, like good luck to me having a marriage, you know, um, and yet, and yet that is kind of the expectation of, of a lot of church life uh-huh. is that you accept what is presented or you're the enemy. Right. Right. You know, it's that black and white. Right. And there, there does need to be room to go, actually, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So, so no, that's fantastic. Uh, another criticism that I've seen, um, leveled at you is that, you distort the gospel uh-huh. and that word is so loaded. Um, and again, I don't see that myself because actually what I see you doing is presenting the gospel, you know, right. the, the good news of Jesus. How would you describe what the good news of Jesus is? One of the things I, I claim, and I always assert this is that everybody has their own interpretation of what the gospel is or what the Bible says. And so when somebody says you're distorting the gospel, what they're really saying is you're distorting my interpretation of the gospel because there's a millions, there's a million interpretations of the gospel out there. I mean, that's why we have Roman Catholics and Anglicans and Presbyterians and Uniteds and Pentecostals and Baptists and Eastern Orthodox and a, a zillion other sects and denominations and independent movements out there. And yeah, everybody has their own take on the gospel. So if somebody says I'm distorting the gospel, what they're saying is your understanding of the gospel doesn't match with mine. You're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm aware of that. Uh, I, I still claim that everybody has a right to their understanding of the gospel, but I think we all need to understand that it is our own interpretation of the gospel and the Bible. And if, I think that's where community and discussion and dialogue and everything comes in where we get together and, and, and dialogue and talk and discover what is best for, for us or what is the best understanding of what this is saying. And, um, you know, rather than fragmenting and dividing and splintering and, you know, for uh, forever and ever, which is what's happening. A week ago, you posted one of your cartoons and, and it had, uh, Jesus talking to a bunch of people holding Bibles and said, the difference between me and you is that you use scripture to determine what love means. And I use love to determine what scripture means. And I just love that. that I mean, that, that fits so much with what you just said that yeah, we all interpret it. Yeah. You can't help it. That's right. You can't help it. And that's what I claim. Everybody has a, what they call a hermeneutic. That's a way to um, interpret the, the Bible. And we all interpret the Bible. You can't help it. I, I insist on that, and I stand by that. I don't know, die by that. That everybody, you know, you if you say it's not me, it's the Bible. The Bible clearly says. Well, obviously, the Bible doesn't clearly say because um, there are biblical scholars on a zillion sides with their own. Clearly, the Bible says that are different from one another. And so, what I meant by that cartoon was. Um, Jesus was using a hermeneutic of a different kind of a hermeneutic rather than a legalistic approach. It was a love approach, a compassion approach. And, and he was using maybe love to 
understand what the Bible says. And it's amazing to me that people will say, we didn't know what love was until Jesus came. Well, is that really, really true? Are you eliminating, you're saying that the love that generations before, that there was no love, I mean, between families and husbands and wives and um, parents and children and, and the, you know, the people of God and God, and, you know, there was no love. This wasn't love. I mean, Deuteronomy is full of uh, God's love and, and uh, the people's love for God. And, and so, and even, doesn't even Paul say in Acts that even, or, or Jesus say in the gospel that even pagans know how to take care of their, their family and, um, you know, and their friends. And that's, that's what love is. So, you know, um, yeah, so that, I, I, it, that's a big one. And I know that if I get a lot of kickback from my position on like LGBTQ and women and the Bible and abuse in the church, those are the big ones that I, I always get kickback on. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised because those are very uh, sacred yeah. things. And I mean, I love that you actually take some of those comments coming as kickback and publish them almost as a badge of honor, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that actually you're like, actually, if this is getting some people worked out, that's actually a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm doing the, <laughs> doing a good job here. Yeah. It's, yeah. I have, I have, I have fun with it. I'll admit though, some days I get down, you know, um, and, uh, but you know, I tried to make, make fun of it as well. And, you know, I'll, I'll make a little meme out of it and other people will laugh along. And, and I hope even the people who see that, I, you know, it's, I'm not taking anything private. It's something they posted on my wall for, for everybody to see. It's not like I'm revealing any secrets and, uh, you know, just post it for everybody to see and everybody gets a laugh out of it. And hopefully the person who said it might be able to get a laugh out of it too. So, you know, I, I, if I took seriously everything everybody said, uh, I'd be down in the dumps all the time. So I have to, in order to keep doing the work, I have to, you know, I had to develop a thick skin and uh, in one ear out the other and water off a duck's back and all that kind of stuff. And um, in, in, in a way for me to cope with all the, you know, stuff I, yeah. all the criticism I get too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess that that's a hard walk is moving from a position that's very you know bound and contained and you're you're stepping out into one that's not so much and then trying not to just turn around and hate on all those people that you know were part of the scene that you used to be part of yeah well that's that's exactly my point is um and something i keep emphasizing like i totally understand where people are coming from because i used to i used to be there and I'm not saying I've developed or I've grown up or I'm more mature or anything. I'm just different. And, um, you know, I, I don't wish to ridicule or mock or shame anybody um, because I used to be there. And that's a part of my root system as well. That's a part of my growing up and a part of my growth is a part of my story and that I don't wish to, you know, neglect or reject or um, tear out, uh, of, of my story. It's a part of my story and I, I respect that and I understand it, but I think there's danger in, um, you know, staying that myopic, you know, staying in that such a small space where 
you're, you know, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. And um, that kind of an attitude is uh, very, um, I think, divisive and closed and exclusive. And people are going to suffer because of it. Yeah. Um, We've talked a bit about the criticism, but you also get a whole lot of people for whom this is really validating and they're really encouraged by your work. Is there sort of favorite comments that you've had or things that you hold on to that in those sort of down moments is like, no, this is, this is making a difference. I really do. I really hear from a lot of people. I hear from um, a lot of uh, LGBTQ people who just feel like they're loved and then they're okay. Um, I hear from a lot of women um, who are taking a stand for themselves um, and feel empowered. Uh, I feel, I I hear a lot from people who are um, questioning their beliefs and their faith and, um, and just feel really encouraged that they're not going crazy and that they're not alone uh, and that this is normal in the growth process. And yeah, I hear from people every day and it's, it's, I got to remember that and keep that uh, in front of me that uh, I'm helping people. And that's what really, really matters. And yeah, sure, I'm going to get some really serious hate. Like this, like this morning, somebody was like, are you even a real pastor? And have you ever read the Bible before? And, you know, <laughs> and in the same, and yeah. in the same comment section, there's somebody like, oh man, this has helped me so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know? And so I got to focus on the positive and, and keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. You, you cover a whole, like you said, you cover a whole lot of different subjects uh, in your mm. work. Uh, do you have a favorite that you like to focus on? I think I'm most um, focused or not most focused. I think, so for me, it's the freedom and empowering of the individual to make their choice. That for me is key and center of everything. So that includes people who are questioning their beliefs, maybe pastors who are struggling to stay in the ministry or trying to leave. That includes women who are maybe in abusive relationships or uh, maybe are feeling like second-class citizens in their church. Uh, It includes LGBTQ people who feel like they're being marginalized and neglected and persecuted even. Um, So for me, if the, the thing that ties these all together, the, the common thread is, is the freedom and empowering of the individual. That for me is, is, is central. So if I can, if I can keep focusing on that, I feel like I'm really doing my work. Now I'll, I'll, I'll go off on tangents and maybe just do a silly, funny cartoon or, you know, whatever once in a while, but, um, and you know, they're entertaining and people get a kick out of them and everything, but I really feel like I'm, striking the iron while it's hot mm. when I'm, when I'm talking about the freedom and empowerment of, of the individual out there. Yeah. Uh, it really is that idea of a picture paints a thousand words, isn't it? That you can say so much in one of your cartoons that just speaks yeah. so much. And I remember seeing in the middle of lockdowns and pandemics and things, you, you put out your most sincere prayer um, with a, a guy kneeling and just saying, 
WTF, <laughs> you know, and but and even just that, like giving people permission to actually go, God, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, um, that you know, really simple little drawing, and yeah, yet, yeah. like some people would go, Well, that's really irreverent. It's like, <laughs> Well, yeah, but God's okay with that. Have you, you never know, done um, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no, it's funny it. when uh, it was back in 2005, I'd already been blogging for maybe a year or two. And um, I've been an artist my whole life. I'd, I've always drawn and painted and stuff because um, I grew up in a home where my dad painted and stuff. And uh, um, I always did well in art class and everything. And I thought one, you know, I was sharing, I was writing on my blog and sharing my paintings and things like that. And one day I thought I'm going to try cartooning. And I, I said, you know, I'll, I challenged myself to draw a cartoon every day until I ran out of ideas. I thought I'd last a month, but here I am 16 years later, still drawing cartoons every day. Wow. And what amazed me was how uh, people responded and reacted to my cartoons. I especially like to do a cartoon in one frame if I can. Um, it's just such a quick uh, an immediate and spontaneous, um, thing that happens. Um, you know, people can start reading a thousand word blog post and they'll get bored or yeah. disagree and move on or get distracted. But with a cartoon, it's a split second. They see it. It's over. You can't unsee it. It's too late. And I like, I like the, I like the power of that. So yeah, that's why I keep doing it. I, I can say so much in one little picture, and um, I, I just find it very effective and powerful. So I'll keep doing it. <laughs> um, just got a couple of specific cartoons that I'll mention, that, um, and, and maybe you can tell us a bit about your heart behind them. Oh, okay. Um, ones that have ones that have spoken to me over the time, um, and probably the first one of yours that I ever saw, and that really connected with me in terms of where I was thinking at that time and being challenged at that time was um, where did Jesus go and oh, yeah. for for those who haven't seen it there's a, a church building uh, Jesus inside with a whole bunch of sheep um, who you use to, to represent members of the church uh, or just people and a, a rainbow colored sheep comes in and someone's saying like you can't you can't be here yeah and then it, and the next scene is Jesus walking off with the rainbow sheep and the, the sheep left in the church going, Hey, where did Jesus go? Now, do you want to tell us a bit about your heart yeah. behind that one? Yeah. Well, it's it, the idea behind that was I wanted to communicate how I really do feel that the prophets in the old Testament, um, John the Baptist, Jesus, uh, Paul, St. Stephen, were all about decentralizing God. They, they were about decentralizing the, the presence of God. And, and um, unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians and churches, and any kind of religion really, um, is still trying to centralize and locate the divine where they are. Yeah. And... and um, that in order for you to enjoy the privileges of God's people, you need to join, you need to come in and join. And well, a lot of people I know aren't, aren't free to join fully yeah. because of their identities. And, and 
so and another another theme of the gospel is God's preference for the poor and the rejected and the marginalized and Jesus as well. And um, so I think it's totally in keeping with the gospel where uh, Jesus would prefer to to be with those who have been rejected and marginalized and excluded than with those who think they've got it all together and have God's presence in their pocket. And, and I think that's pretty strong, powerful theme throughout the Bible. Yeah. And um, I think that cartoon it, it illustrates it um, in a way that really, some people really love it and other people really hate it because basically uh, they, what they hear in it is if, if we don't agree with LGBTQ people and don't let them in, then we can't have Jesus either. And, and, and I feel like saying, well, have you ever actually thought about that and pursued that question, that line of reasoning? That might be something worthwhile. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, another one, and I actually used this to promote one of my episodes last year where I was interviewing a friend of mine who uh, was talking about theology of disability and hope. Um, oh, yeah. A, a guy, um, if you're listening, go back and listen to, to Manny Cox. Um, and he's got cerebral palsy and is a theologian. Uh, wrestling with those kind of questions and uh, you've got this this cartoon of the church and access where there's a, a lady in a wheelchair Jesus is pushing the wheelchair up to the bottom of these steps that go up this big hill yeah. to a church and she's saying I don't think I'm welcome here and Jesus saying yeah I don't think I probably am either um, tell us a bit about that one well uh, the, the sign says first evangelical church so that's quite American um, reference there because I think the evangelical church has taken quite a beating over the last several years and um, has compromised its identity and um, by aligning itself with ideas and people that aren't very gospel-like, in my opinion. And and so I really do think the uh, uh, evangelical church has diminished greatly over the last four years um, in its uh, uh, struggle to be true and its uh, identity with Evangelion, the gospel, and um, has compromised itself to a great extent. So the sign is First Evangelical Church. And so for the disabled person in the wheelchair with the long steps up to the church, yes, it's, it's, it's inaccessible to her. And because of the evangelical sign, Jesus is saying, yeah, it's inaccessible to me too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people didn't like that one either. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was, it was um, interesting. Many who I interviewed had spoken at our church uh, about the, that very subject, about um, making sure that all are welcome. And actually that that actually means you might need to physically change some things around your space and things like that. And and then the next day I saw that cartoon and sent it to him and he just replied, boom, you know, <laughs> that, that totally resonated with what he'd been talking about. So, um, yeah. Well, there's another cartoon. Talk. There's another cartoon that's related to that. That's one of my favorites too, is uh, there's a door and there's people inside the door looking through the glass, looking down in, in fear. And it says on the door, we welcome short people. And, 
there's a bunch of short people trying to reach the doorknob and they can't reach the doorknob. <laughs> it's, that's the yeah. same idea. Is, yeah. you know, and, and it's like I, I have a lot of gay friends or transgender friends yeah. or whatever who know of affirming churches, I say in quotes, um, but they know they're not welcome there or wouldn't ever be able to participate in any leadership roles because they're gay or whatever. And so, you know, we can say we welcome short people or we can say we welcome disabled people, but unless we actually make it accessible, then it's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I could sit here talking about specific cartoons all day, but <laughs> we we probably need to move on. But um, you, you don't just do your cartoons. Like you said, you paint, you do courses. Um, you've got a book uh, called Till Doubt Do Us Part, and that's about your journey um, and, and helping people figure out as they're growing, as they're going through this wrestling with what they've believed, what they now believe, what they will believe. Right. Actually, that impacts your relationships around you. Do you want to tell us a bit about that book and, and where that came from for you? Yeah. So that's my latest book. I actually have nine books out now, believe it or not. Yeah. Awesome. And, um, that's my latest one. Uh, and it's called till doubt do us part when changing beliefs change your marriage, because, um, I've noticed that when, uh, I do help people go through that very difficult process we call deconstruction when they start changing their beliefs or questioning their beliefs or their faith and, uh, everything seems to be crumbling around them. It's really traumatizing on a marriage relationship. Yeah. Um, my wife and I, for example, went through it. There was a while there we really, really struggled um, because our beliefs were changing. It was after we left the ministry and and the church. And it was just a very, very difficult time. And, you know, I've kept a journal for as long as I can remember. And I would write all my ideas and discoveries and thoughts down, feelings. And um, But I also noticed a lot of people out there, their marriages were blowing up when maybe one of them or both of them were starting to question their beliefs or change their beliefs or whatever, deconstruct. And so I wanted to provide a, a resource for them to read to hopefully help them understand better what's happening, but also maybe give them some guidelines to navigate through this very, very difficult, traumatic period in their lives. For Lisa and I, it was profoundly fruitful. Our marriage is better than it's ever been. Um, And so I tried to provide a a pathway for people to improve their marriage by working together on this very difficult and traumatic transformation in their own personal spirituality and the relationship. Um, and also if, if some of them can't make it, or maybe they realize they weren't even supposed to be married in the first place, you know, maybe they got married under pressure from their church because it was the only way they could have sex or, you know, maybe somebody prophesied that they should, or, you know, all this kind of stuff that happens, or maybe they got married really young, um, or, you know, maybe they, they just felt that they had to, for some reason. So I, I just tried, I wrote this book for people who. Their beliefs are changing their, their changing beliefs are changing their marriage. There's a way through this. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to end up a catastrophe uh, that you can work through this in a fruitful way and either improve your relationship or end it in a, um, you know, amicable way. Yeah. Within that, how do you, like you've said, till doubts do us part. Right. Doubt is one of those things that gets a fairly bad rap in churches. Yeah. Um, how do you see doubt and faith connecting? 
Yeah. So for, for me, uh, one of my books, uh, um, is called questions are the answer where I, I talk a mm. lot about this, um, that questions are a very, very important, um, part of the spiritual growth process. Um, I think, um, that, so for example, I don't think doubt is the opposite of faith. I think doubt and faith are partners. Mm-hmm. I actually think uh, faith and doubt are kind of like the trellis and the rose vine that grow together. Um, without yeah, one, without one, the other would suffer. Um, and, and so I think I think they really do grow together. Uh, the opposite of faith isn't doubt; it's certainty. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're certain about everything, then you don't need faith and mm-hmm. you don't need questions and you don't need mystery. And so that's why I think uh, questions and um, doubt uh, and darkness are a very important component in, in spiritual growth. And I think personally, I think Jesus was a master of questions. I mean, he started early when his parents lost him. When he was a young kid, uh, they couldn't find him. Where did they find him? They found him in the temple um, talking with the uh, teachers there. And they were all amazed at him, at his wisdom, because of the questions he was asking. And so it started early with him. It was the wisdom of his questions, I think, that led him to a deeper kind of a a wisdom. And, And so that's why I encourage questions now. I think questions and doubt and um, darkness are so important and they should be embraced as important and necessary tools in our spiritual growth. Yeah. I love that phrase that the question is the answer. Yeah. Um, Cause it, yeah, it's so right that actually if you run out of questions, maybe you, God's not big enough. Um, right. You know, maybe, you, maybe you've lost the idea that God is pretty much mostly mystery and that we, right. there's very little we really know about God. Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, whenever, whenever Jesus is in the gospel stories, whenever he's asked a question, what does he do? He often answers with a question because he knows they're trying to trap him on a point. And he is trying to open up their minds to something greater. And so he, he comes back with a greater question, you know. So, uh, you know, when, for example, they ask, um, this woman's had so many husbands, which one's going to be her husband in heaven? And he's like, have you ever considered the, the fact that there might not be marriage in heaven? Ooh, that's a bigger question. Yeah. yeah. Right? So uh, I, think, I think that's uh, a key to the um, value and, and the power of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking through your your feed um, a little yeah. while ago and and just seeing all the comments and things and, and <laughs> reading some of the the ones that people were really affirming and and a couple of my favorites. One of them that that could, they could, these kind of sum up for me what it is that you do. And one of them said, "You crack me up, but most of all, you make me think." Oh, cool! And I thought that's that's just beautiful. That yeah, like yes, it's funny. Yes, I had a laugh, and now I'm thinking about this. <laughs> Um, that's, you know, perfect. Actually, that's perfect. That's um, perfect. Yeah, I love which that. Which I thought was great. And and then my other favorite was I just snorted at work. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, that, 
I found my yeah, I love that. When somebody well, so. says to me, you made me laugh or you made me spit my coffee onto my computer screen or whatever, it's like, yes. yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a win <laughs> yeah. for me. Affirmation. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Um, if people want to find your cartoons, find your paintings, um, purchase some of those things, your right. books, your courses, where do, where do they go? Nakedpastor.com. That's where I am. That's home base. And you can find everything. And I'm on all social media. You name it, I'm there, and I'm really good at responding to people. So if you reach out and want to chat or whatever, I'm I'm available, and I always I always respond. So um, nakedpasser.com, and yeah, um, everything's there. Everything, my yeah, courses, cool. my books, my um, my blog, my cartoons, my art, everything is is all available there. So cool, and I'll I'll link all of that in the show notes as well as the specific cartoons that we talked about as well cool um so people can see those so um, awesome thank, thank you. you thank you so much for joining us uh thank you for what you do to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth yeah i enjoyed it nice to be with you today hello hello heaven will i hear you whisper to come I'm so grateful to David for joining me on the podcast. There are a number of things he threw out there that might be challenging for you. And I'd simply encourage you to embrace that challenge, to wrestle with what's going on for you there. Not that you might come across to his way of thinking, but that you might know why you believe what you believe. If you haven't already seen his work, go check out Naked Pasta on pretty much any social media platform or at nakedpasta.com and see what speaks to you. Hopefully, if nothing else, you might have a good laugh as you look. As usual, thanks to Strawn for providing the music for this podcast. Next week, I have the privilege of talking to Lady Ranapiri Kupa of He Korowai Whakapono or Prison Fellowship Aotearoa. We talk about the work they do getting alongside children and families of people in prison through various programs with the aim of helping families to break generational cycles that keep them down. It's another amazing kōrero. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātou matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia tau mai tō rangatira tanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Hummai kia mātou ai nei E taroma mātou mō tēnei rā Muro mātou hara me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e hara ana kia mātou Aua hoki mātou e kawea kia whakawaia e ngari whakorangia mātou i te kino Amen